0: Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and we're on episode 204 here, and I'm doing a rare intro of the Man on Second podcast. Uh, our regular host, Joe Frazero, out on vacation this week, but he has employed a guest host, and we're really fortunate to have him here. He's been a guest on the show twice uh, for Joe Frazero, Man on Second, and so he'll, his voice and his information and his name will be familiar to you guys. But I want to welcome Danny Alvarez. Danny, thanks for filling in for Joe this week. We're real excited to have you on.
1: Oh hi Dave! Uh, I wish I could come up with some Bama th- theme uh, topic or something, but no, that's that's for Joe. Me is more about <laughs> yeah, as well as basil and, and stuff like that. But yeah, it's a it's a true honor and um and a pleasure to to be here with you. And yes, I hope Joe is enjoying his vacation.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm I follow him on social media, try not to be too intrusive on the vacation, but he's putting it out there, so I'll <laughs> vicariously through him for the next week. But um, just for a reminder for our audience, uh, Danny's a writer for El Extrabasse and um, is affectionately called The Future by Joe Frazero. Feels like he's got all the traits to be a star right now and in the future for, in the writing business and feels like he's got that new school approach but the old school mentality where you got a lot of respect for those that came before you. So we all appreciate that as well, Danny, and enjoy following you as a writer. And I feel like you have an interesting perspective on the game So before we get to our first topic, which is a big one, just want to note to our audience, 19,000 subscribers now. Make sure you download listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review. If you rate and review, we can battle the analytics of the podcast world, just like we do in baseball. We can keep providing you great content on our network and specifically on our show, The Man on Second here. If you continue to do that, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher to stream us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I get back to one guest live every day with a question. And I get back to everybody privately by the end of the day. Well over 400 questions today, so I got my work cut out for me again today. That's about the average nowadays, which is good. 72 countries now, grassroots to MLB front offices. We're just trying to build a better baseball IQ here. And our audience asked me to remind them. They, I guess this is a badge of courage for them, Danny. But they say, remind them every week, prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truths about baseball because this program, like all our programs on the mm-hmm. network, have no time for the comfortable lies. So... With that, we're going to hit him straight between the eyes again today. So um, j- b- before we get into our first topic, what have you been up to? What, what are some things you've been writing about lately? I don't get into our main one with, with Luis, too. I want to save that for the, the – <laughs> uh, what else have you been up to?
1: Yeah, of course, Luis Arraes is, uh, is the main topic. I, he's, I think he's the story of baseball right now, right, with everything he's been doing. But also uh, me, mainly for for the extra base, uh, about – obviously what the Venezuelan or Latin players are doing right now in the game. Um, Having a very interesting comparison right now with Fernando Tatis Jr. and Ronald Acuña, how their season are are playing, how good Tatis has been for the last month or so. Acuña having an MVP case. Uh, We were also writing about Tyro Estrada, who's having a huge year with the San Francisco Giants, and I think he deserves some more credit to what everything... I mean, everything he's... uh, Taito has been doing, not only this year, but in his life. I mean, it's it's remarkable, but because this was a guy who had to go through a lot uh, in Venezuela a couple of years ago, and now he's a, he's a star for for a big league team. So, it's, yeah, it's, those are the top.
0: Expound upon that, because he's an underrated player. People, A lot of people don't know yeah. about him. I do. He plays multiple positions. He puts the bat on the ball. He catches the ball. All the unexciting things, right? He hits for high average, fields the ball, um, plays anywhere you ask him, and He's relatively unknown out there, but I, I, outside of you know the, the baseball enthusiasts like you and I. But talk a little bit about his his uh, what he's gone through to get to this
1: point. Some some people um, remember him as a Yankee uh, when he first came up in in 2019. Role utility player with the Yankees who never had um, really the chance to play every single day as as he's doing right now in San Francisco. But I don't know if if you. If you knew this, Dave, he this guy was shot uh, in Venezuela, uh, almost murdered one time yeah. in 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 Behuma, where, where he's from, um, to get robbed actually. Because of of course we know uh, how the situation is down there, um, not safe at all. And Tito was shot one time, went to hospital. Um, he, he spent a lot a lot of time in the, in the UCI, and he's basically a miracle. A, a living miracle. So, um, it's a, it's a very interesting story. Everything he he had to to go through in those in those days, um, never actually was considered a a big prospect, and now he's having an, an all star type caliber season. I mean, the, the numbers he's putting with the Giants are are huge, and and I I wouldn't be surprised if many teams will be calling the Giants this this out uh, this uh, summer to. Show interesting for for Tito because I think he, he he can do a really good job for a, for a contender.
0: What do you think his everyday spot is in, in, on the defensive side?
1: Second baseman. Uh, he's been he's been good at second, but he can also play short because he's naturally a shortstop. That's how how he first came up and, and can play uh, very good in the middle of the infield as a second baseman or as a shortstop, uh, some third as well, uh, but mainly he's a, he's a good second baseman.
0: You know, pe- people underestimate that move from short to second. I was a second baseman when I played collegially and professionally and everything's backwards there. It's easier. It was easier for me to go from second to short than I think it'd be from short to second. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's been a wonderful story and, um, you know, that, that transition as a normal shortstop to second kind of leads me into my next question. You, you brought him up, uh, as you were introducing, uh, what you're working on, but Fernando Tatis yeah. went from being a, uh, you know what was considered being everyday shortstop. The Padres did an overhaul. He got in a little bit of trouble. Now he's out in right field. Share a little bit about what he's how he's come back and what he's doing this year.
1: Oh, he's been he's been good lately. Um, actually, what what really surprised me about about Fernando is how how he had to do that transition from shortstop to the outfield uh, very abruptly because he he was he wasn't doing. That good at short at shortstop when he was considered a star in that position, then when he went to right field or center field for the first time, then right field, um, had kind of a rough time that that first that first year. Then obviously, injury came up, the suspension came up, but he spent much of that time working in the outfield, and now he's uh, playing very good defense there. Um, one of the league leaders in outs above average. Um, has a strong arm, has, a, has very good routes. And I think that now he has become a, a better right fielder than he was a shortstop. And, and I think he found his position um, on any team. I, I'm, I'm sure that at some point maybe he can go back to, to play shortstop with the, with the Padres uh, if something come, comes up with Sander Bogarts or Machado or one of those guys. But uh, as of now, he's going to be a right fielder for a very long time.
0: Yeah, and it'd probably be easy. I guess people extend their careers the further they move away from home plate. Um, so hopefully, a young guy like him, he had some troubles, obviously, with some some decisions, but people forget how young a guy. What's he? He's, he's what, 22, 23?
1: Fernando is, um, I think he's 24. Yeah, he, he turned 24 this year. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, because he's from 99. I'm 97. Yeah, so not 24. Um, so so yeah, he's, he's still very young. That's, that's, that's the thing. And I mean, maybe this is for the future, but he's going to be a a very interesting topic because we, we know that he has, he's, he's very talented and he can be a superstar for so many years to come. All-star MVP type caliber player. And once his career is over, hopefully in, I don't know, 15 years or so. Right. Um, we're gonna, we we might be talking about a guy with Cooperstown credentials, but obviously he had the PED suspension last year. And to see how's, how's that going to play out from 15 to 20 years from now, it's going to be a really interesting topic. Yeah. And we've seen guys get caught in that late in their career and it's obviously affected their candidacy,
0: but, um, you know, early enough, maybe, maybe there's forgive and forget because we'll have such a big body of work as to what he can do off of that. And, Base stealer's got home run power. Obviously, mentioned the, the uh, ridiculous arm out there, so he's going to be a, a good defensive fit. So I'm, I'm happy he's turned it around. He's got there's good leadership on that team too. I think with yeah. guys like Machado and Bogerts and and
1: whatnot. So I think I think that and and I I spoke to to these people last week uh, when they came to Miami. But Nelson Cruz. Um, Oh, who, also, who also went through a, a PED suspension back in 2013, and I, I'm not sure many people remember that, um, has been through similar things, uh, just like Fernando. And having him there, um, t- well, the first thing is that Nelson is only 20 years, old, like 19 or 18 years older than, than Tatis Jr., so he could easily be his dad. <laughs> That's the first thing. So, um, He's he's a mentor for for those young guys and, and especially for Tatis to have a figure like him in that clubhouse. Um, I I think it's I think it's crucial. And uh, sp- speaking about this with Skip Schumacher a couple of weeks ago, but that's why you have to value longevity and and experience and and everything those guys have been through. So so they can handle um, difficult situations with themselves and also with the younger players and. That's why it's so valuable to to have a guy like Nelson Cruz. Obviously, he's not not producing the same way he was producing a couple of years ago with Minnesota, Seattle, Texas, whatever. But he he's a mentor, and and he's someone that every single player on the clubhouse uh, follows for basically everything.
0: Yeah, and I think underrated uh, in terms of his standing in the game. People forget he's he's been one of the most consistent hitters over time during his career, and hopefully Tatis. As you mentioned, he's got the the value of a mentor that, when he's that at that point in his career, he can reach down and, and maybe help a young guy out too. So that would make it all worthwhile. As with the Hall of Fame, of course.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, what about another countryman? Now, uh, it really hasn't slowed down. Had a little bit of an injury with the Braves uh, ways back, but Ronald Acuna, I mean, MVP type season.
1: Ronald, um, yeah, he can kind of had a slow mid-month of May and and June as well, but I think that. The, the fascinating thing with, with Ronald is that because of how complete he is as a player, um, you can, you can see that he might be having a, a slow week or slow month offensively, but he's, he keeps stealing bases. He keeps playing very good defense and basically being a headache for every pitcher. So he, he has the ability to change um, a game just by being in the lineup and, doing everything he can do on on, on the field because he has those five tools and and playing really good baseball. So um, he's still having a a great year, hitting over 330. Um, He's still one of the league leaders in in Ward this year. I think he's having a a very good case for MVP alongside with Corbin Carroll or Freddie Freeman, and and he's still... um, Running the bases are really good. It's approaching 30 stolen bases this year. And he's obviously being the heart and soul of that Braves team. I think they, they needed him more last year. Um, obviously, he wasn't 100% healthy. Now he is. And you can see that the Braves have a, a very different face compared to where they were last year at this point of the year.
0: Oh, yeah. Could he be our next hundred steal guy? With I guess with the shortened uh,
1: I I think I, I'm not sure if Ronald could be a hundred steal, but Estevan Ruiz with the with the ace, I think he's he might be the guy because he's say, so yeah. yeah he's so fast he's faster than than Ronald, and I think he I'm, I don't know he, he he's looked better than than Ronald um, running the bases although I mean. Not, not that I'm saying that Ronald has not, um, but he's just slightly better, and that's yeah. why he has more stolen bases. Even though he doesn't get on base as much as Ronald does, um, obviously, there there's one difference between Ronald and Estevoli, and it's the lineup. Uh, Ronald knows that if he stays on on base, he has a guy like uh, Matt Olson or Austin Riley that yeah. can bring him in <laughs> with any type of hit um, in 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 Oakland. Stevie Reese does not have that type of support, and he knows that he has to get as much bases as he can so he can score. Yeah. Um, so, but, but that's that's a difference between those two teams. But still, Stevie is having a a monster year, and and so is Ronald.
0: Yeah. Again, um, you know, it's kind of ironic because the A's were with the Moneyball approach, they devalued the stolen base. Now they may have the league leader at the end of the year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about his game now. I mean, I don't think a lot of people know a ton about him. Um, share, share what you know about his game.
1: Stability. you mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously uh, a very very fast guy. Always been a, a good prospect. 24 years old. Um, good outfielder. I mean, I, I, I wasn't... I, I, I was really not impressed, but it, it was a he he looked very good in in center. Although Arias, with the amount of hits he got to the left center, right center gap, made him run a lot. But he's a good outfielder, and and he seems like a very mature guy to his age to only be in on, and he, in his second year in the big leagues. Uh, I think he's doing just fine. It's it's not easy to to come up in a and and it's sad to say it this way, but in a losing environment like sure. the A's have right now. And, and he's still overperforming. I think he's uh, been very good offensively, um, hitting over two sixty, getting on base. And I'm sure that with a with a different lineup, he could be um, doing doing better. Um, but obviously, that's that's gonna come up at, at some point because I don't think he's gonna stay in Oakland uh, for a long time now. But um, he's very mature, and and that's what. Uh, what really impressed me the most um, to have 31 stolen bases in, in 30, 36 attempts, I think it's it's really, really good because that, that shows you he hasn't been caught up a lot. But um, yeah, uh, his the, the way he, he handles his approach and, and his routine, watching him closely a couple of weeks ago when when the A's came to to Miami is something that uh, really surprised me.
0: Yeah. Do you project him as a center fielder long term?
1: Maybe a maybe a corner outfielder. Uh, maybe he can go to left, but the, with the way he runs and and how much ground he can cover, I think he he can definitely develop into an everyday center fielder.
0: I'd love to see another hundred steal guy. I know it's a little bit skewed because of the bigger bases and the block yeah. and all that, but still, it's I'm glad guys are stealing again. That's going to make catchers have to respond. And pitchers holding runners on a little bit, so. of
1: course, uh, but but still, yes, obviously the the new with the new rules, everything is different. But they you still have to to prepare, and and, yeah. and runners have to to read the timing of the pitchers now with a little bit more more of help with the clock, uh, because some some pitchers repeat their that pattern, and some of them always go with when it's seven seconds or eight seconds remaining, whatever, yeah. and. And runners can time up that, but at the same time, you still have to prepare, and there are still some <laughs> very good catchers in the league with oh, yeah. uh, great arms. So it's 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 not that easy. Yeah, the numbers are higher, but it's still not that easy. Still and and in their for uh, seconds. exactly. And and that's where where I left. I I like to give credit to Ruiz, Ronald, and all the guys that are running now. Yeah, no, I'm glad to see it too. And uh,
0: you know another another statistic that I think we both value, with maybe the some of the baseball world doesn't, is batting average. And you mentioned Acuna hitting three hundred and thirty. On normal years, that would be the top of the league. But we've got a guy down in Miami right now, a trade that's uh, potentially hitting
1: four hundred by the end of the year. Yeah, of course, of course. And and, and 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 this is where I I was talking about this with with a former player. Um, last year when they when they announced they were implementing these rules and in this world where it's basically everything analytic driven uh to have guys like Luis Arraes, like Steuri Ruiz those players that have the ability to have to hit i mean to use the whole field or to run in on on every situation um it kind of circles back to what what this game was um twenty, thirty forty years ago and it's it's a full circle and I think it's good for for the game to see to see this because obviously for the last not ten years, but for the last maybe five to seven years we've been we, we've been seeing a game with basically uh, just strikeouts, home runs, and that's it and yeah. that's that's unwatchable. I mean I love it. And I watch it every day, but it's tough to it's it's tough to watch because you that that's not what this game is. I mean, it's more way more than that. And and to have these guys, um, making it look like old school baseball, I think it's it's a it's a privilege. And and I like. The, I mean, that's what I like about the new rules and players having that approach.
0: I agree. I'm glad it, the adjustment was so quick. I'm I can relate to it better. I was a you know when I played professional baseball and college baseball. I, I switched switch batter. I had a, I probably had a negative launch angle. I think I hit the ball <laughs> and I stole bases. I bunted, and uh, I'm glad to see that coming back into play. I think it's going to affect grassroots baseball in a positive way. Yeah. Well, well, when when that trade happened, and you may have had more insight into it than most, because you cover you know you're down there and, and cover the the Marlins, and but you also cover the Venezuelan players. Did you feel that was a win for Miami, and what were the people in Miami feeling about that trade?
1: It was kind of fifty-fifty, and and I had to, and I, and I have to admit, Dave, that at, at the beginning, I, I mean, I, it's not that I didn't like the trade. I like the trade, uh, especially involving a guy like Luis, who I've been knowing for for so long now, and I know what type of person he is, his family, um, his background, and, and all of that. But I have to say that at at the beginning, I thought, hey. Um, I don't think it's a great idea to change to trade controllable pitching and that's what the Marlins have or had with Pablo and there's nothing like that pitching depth right especially with your starters oh, sure. where you where you know you you can rely on guys like Sandy like Pablo who are able to throw 180 in, 80 innings plus in 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 that in the same rotation one and two right And Because that's what they did last year. And that's what I think that was the the strongest part of this team last year. So when they traded Pablo, I was kind of a little worried about that um, depth. Because I said, okay, they have guys like Luzardo, like Cabrera, um, Braxton Garrett, Trevor Rogers. At some point, um, Eury Perez. But what happens with them is that they've never pitch for a full season in the big leagues and yes you have a guy like sandy who won the Cy young who pitched 220 something innings in in 2022 but it's difficult to have that from a pitcher every single year so when you have more pitchers of that um quality like pablo i think it's better because i i also thought okay luis can make a huge impact in this team but he's going to need more help because he can get on, on base as many times as he wants doesn't matter if it's with a with a walk or a hit or a hit by pitch whatever but he needs people to to drive him in and that's exactly what the Marlins are doing and that's where they have been winning uh, so much in the last 15 games and and it's because of Luis and and yes i think it's a it's a win for the Marlins now especially looking at Pablo and how he's doing uh, they also traded Jose Salas, who was a big Marlins pro- prospect. He's not doing that good in the minors this year. And we still have to see on, on Byron Chodio, a guy they signed last year out of the international market. He's only 18 years old, so yeah. um, we still have to wait a lot. But as of now, it's a win for the Marlins. I didn't think it was going to be a win when they traded for for, for Luis in, in January, and I have to, to admit that. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't think you were alone. I think everybody... Jumped on that and saw that as another Marlins maybe dumping, but we're all seeing the evidence that not just is Luis Arias having personal success, but it's, he seems to be contagious to the Marlins lineup and his approach. So, so we have J- Jim Cott does a show with us called Cott's Corner, and Kevin Kernan does one with us uh, called Coaching Kernan, and both of those guys called Arias uh, last year, and they're both high in him. Share with the audience, you get to see him every day. What, share his approach to the game as a hitter. Um, and then, does he compare to any any of our past grades?
1: I mean, I, Dave, it's 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 very interesting because the closest thing I've seen to to Luis, and that's because of my age. Uh, I'm I'm just 26. is Ichiro. That's a, that's the closest comparison I, I can yeah. have. And but but I, I I asked Skip Schumacher this last week, like. Can you compare him to something? Have you seen something like this? And Skip was like, I've never seen something quite like it. Obviously, he, he grew up with guys like Tony Gwynn, Box, um, Mattingly, guys that were pure hitters. But to be hitting over 400 mid-June, it's something that, if you think about it, at any age of the game, it's it's crazy. And it's, it's insane because... It's very difficult to hit, of course. I mean, this is not something new. But especially now in this era where basically every pitcher that comes out from the minors throws 95 plus with a nasty slider, with a nasty changeup, splitter, sinker, whatever. It's so difficult. And when you have guys that, yes, the shift was banned, but players are in, and infielders and outfielders are still positioning where the chart says and it's more difficult to get a hit. Um, you have to get credit to to a guy like Luis, who has been able to to get these hits b- using the whole field yeah. um, with all, with with all of that that I just mentioned. Um, I think that he, I mean the the best thing for him for uh, with him is how how he's able to to rec- recognize pitches and know what what he wants to hit, and he's gonna. It's not that he's just gonna hit whatever. They they throw at him, but he he knows that he's not a power hitter, and he goes to the plate thinking, okay, what are my chances here? What are they playing? I have a I have a story from him last year, in Toronto, he had a three three hit game against the Blue Jays. It was the last game of the series, and he got two hits up the middle, and. Be- because that's that's where he was looking for to, to get those hits. But then in his last at-bat, his third at-bat, Matt Chapman was playing almost where the shortstop is supposed to be. And Luis took a second and thought about it and said, wait, is he really playing there? Like, are they really shifting me? And said, okay, this is what I'm just going to do. I'm just going to hit the ball opposite field, the closest I can to, to the third third baseline. And that's exactly what he did. Next pitch, he hit a ball over the third base, um, down the left field line. He converted that into a double. And he said, I mean, it's not that, I mean, it's not easy to say, okay, I'm going to hit it there, and then he, then you do it. But he had that approach, like, okay, uh, I know that I can, I can maybe hit a ball into the gap or try to try to hit a homer, but he's just not that player. He said, okay, what are they giving me? Okay, that's what that's exactly what I'm what I'm gonna what I'm gonna take. And he just wants to, to get on base and then let the big guys do the do the job. Um, I know he works hard a lot. On, in, in I mean this guy never has a, an off day. And when he when he's in Miami and there's a day off he goes to the Frank Valdez training facility. Frank Valdez is a Dominican coach. That's his personal coach. He works with Nelson Cruz, Jemar Candelario, Gene Segura, other major league players, but he goes there and works with uh, Frank. When he's on the road, he calls Frank on FaceTime and starts hitting with a, or starts swinging with a little wood bat that he has and he carries everywhere. He even sleeps with that bat. And that's, I'm not not kidding. He literally sleeps with that bat. Uh, you can go and ask him, and he's gonna tell you that I'm, that I'm right. And and he just call calls Frank on FaceM and goes like, "Okay, how am I doing? Am I doing this good? Am I am I not doing this good?" And he's just always in in contact with him. Um, before the games, he wakes up. Yeah, he spends time with his with his family, but then then he he just starts swinging and hitting at home, and then goes to the ballpark. And starts hitting again in the cage. So everything, every, I mean, everything he thinks about all day long, it's about hitting and hitting and hitting. And that's why he's hitting 400.
0: Yeah. yeah give Frank's name and his academy again for me.
1: Frank Valdez uh, training training facility. I think that's that's how he calls it. Um, may, maybe the last part I'm not 100%. Um, yeah, it's 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 Frank Frank Valdez baseball training. Yeah. FB baseball training.
0: Now, with, with Luis's position, he's he's been a second baseman in his career. They have moved him to first. He's played moved around. Where do you see him long term defensively?
1: As a second baseman, because I think he's having a solid year at second, um, and he's happy about it. Why? Because he's always been a second baseman. He signed as a shortstop, but he's always played even since 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 he was a kid um, a second baseman. So the problem in with Minnesota. And maybe this is one of the reasons why they traded him. Uh, it's because he didn't have a position there, because he played left field, third baseman, shortstop, second base, first baseman last year, basically for the full season, and he was a ended up being a Gold Glove finalist at first. But with all due respect, it's not because they were great. There were great first basemen in in the American League. Um, they were just good or average. I don't think Luis even was above average at first base, but he ended up having a solid season. Um, but when he moved to second base this year, when when we talked to him in January, he was like, I'm so happy that I'm going to be playing there because I can only focus on playing second base. That's the position I've been playing all my life. And and I can just focus on that. And you can see the results. He's playing a solid defense and he's having his best year offensively Um, so I I think it's it's been key for him to to only be playing at that position and I think that's something that the Marlins at some point will have to to realize when when they think about next year and wonder what they're going to do with the center field position and how will, will, will they address it because if they get a natural center fielder okay then what do you do with Jazz you bring him down again, to the infield, but you know that at second base, you have a guy like Luis, who I don't think will be moved from that position. Um, Jazz wasn't that good at short, and I don't think they want they want to move Luis back to, to first base because also Yuli Gurriel and Garrett Cooper are free agents once the season is over. So yeah. um, it's going to be yeah. tricky for them, but I think that Luis will, will stay at second for, for a long time.
0: I hope so too. It's there's something to be said for that. I, you know, as a ball player, you go to the park and you play where they tell you to play. But to know where you're going to be penciled in defensively, but also offensively too, where we went, we went for about a, I don't want to say a decade, but pretty close to it, where it was like a revolving door positionally throughout Major League Baseball and in terms of where you're hitting in the lineup, and that became in vogue. So I'm glad to see, you know, I guess when you hit 400, you kind of get people's attention a little bit, right?
1: Now, of course, and I, I think that you have the right to choose where you want to play <laughs> next year. Um, yeah. yeah I too. mean, that, that's something that, I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do in, in, in the future, but when you have a guy that is performing this well, offensively and defensively, um, that should be it, right? I mean, why would you change that if it's going so well and it's doing so good for your team?
0: Yeah. Have you heard shades of Rod Carew? I know you're too young to have seen Rod Carew play, <laughs> but you've got YouTube to to go on. Yeah. Have, you, have heard that Rod Carew? Any any word out there about that Rod Carew, Luis Arias?
1: Yeah. Uh, I know he's been compared. Um, my parents talk talk about Carew and other um, people that are about their age or or older and 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 it's 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 interesting because carew is so close to luis obviously the twins have have had great names in in all over their their history and, and Carew is one of them and he goes to to spring training in fort myers or goes to games in minnesota and he's been able to to Talk to to Luis and see Luis all the time, and and is giving him some advice um, all over the years, and especially last year when when Luis was not struggling, but there was a point where where he was in a in a in a slump, even though he won the, that batting title, and and Caru told him like you don't have to to try to go for home runs or uh, big hits. I mean, you just have to get on base. Get your singles, drive the ball the opposite field, or pull it your way. Um, but you don't have to try to hit home runs because you're not that player. Yeah. And Luis says that you know what, you're right, and and that's exactly what he ended up doing, and 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 he ended up winning the the the, the, the batting title in in the American League last year, and and he owes a lot to to Carew who who likes him a lot, not only as a as a player, but as a person too. I mean, I've heard Luis calling him um, little, little grandpa. So uh, it's a, it's a very close relationship that they have. Abuelito, right? Abuelito. It's like, yeah, mi abuelito. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that's
0: a great voice to listen to, Rod Carew. And I think that's a good sounding board for Luis. He has obviously Frank as well, who seems invested in him, but Rod Carew is not a bad guy to have in your corner. Certainly someone
1: who could handle the bat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 frank obviously tony oliva too um it's been been very close to to luis from his days in in minnesota um okay one two
0: okay okay great uh pick picking back up here with tony oliva you're mentioning tony oliva being close to luis araiz as well as rod carew um share a little bit of that and the importance of those two guys was, I guess we talked a little bit more with Oliva.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean it's it's basically the same with with Carew, Uh with them going to to their training facility in in Fort Myers during spring training, just to to be there, um, checking on the on the young guys and, and giving them advice not only with I, I wouldn't guess not only with the baseball side, but on the personal side too. And and that's something very important that some organization uh, does to, w- w- with their with their hall of famers um, to get them there and and have have them talking to, to the players. I think it's it's very important. And, and Luis is someone that likes li- likes to to listen to people that, that want to help him have to have to say. Uh, obviously, he listens a lot a lot to Frank, um, but also Carew. Tony, um, his family, and also he, w- with the time he spent in in Venezuela playing winter ball down there, Andy Chavez, for example, is a guy that loves him. Uh, L- Luis says that he learned how to bunt and how to do drag bunts uh, with Andy in, I was in say Venezuela. That. Chavez is yeah.
0: a nice outfielder, good bunter, good base runner, good base runner. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and there there was a game in in Venezuela. I think this was back in 2016. Uh, Luis was trying to bunt and and he failed. And andy was like, "Hey, tomorrow morning uh, we're going to be here at the ballpark working on that." And and he spent lots of hours working with with Andy. Not only that day, but uh, basically for the whole season. And and now Luis is a good bunter too. He hasn't used that a lot. He I think he did it. Um, was in the, in the in the first series of the year um but that's something that is, is, is on his back pocket so whenever he needs to to get on base with a, with a bunt, he will do it well
0: god bless bunting i was i was uh in double <laughs> headers i was my my dad just say you got to get one base you got to get one bunt base hit and a double header to make sure you get done. <laughs> so it keeps everybody honest with um, now we got the All Star Game. You're going to be covering that this year. Remind people where it's at. What what you're looking forward to? Uh, how is the city preparing for it?
1: Seattle, um, Seattle, a huge baseball city. Um, I've never been to Seattle. Never been to Safeco, of course. Uh, and it's well not i, I use I, it's not called safeco field anymore but i, I st- I'm still calling calling it that way uh, it's t-mobile park uh, so'm sorry for that but um i'm, I'm really excited I, it's a, it's an event that i've been covering since since 2017 obviously we didn't have it in in 2020 due to the pandemic um, but i always enjoy it uh it's exhausting uh, of course but it's a great event to to see all those stars and and all the people that goes there and not only with the with the players, but reporters, executives, former players, Hall of Famers, and and it's it's always a a very fun week. I like now this this new um, thing with the commissioner that he's able to invite to two very, I mean, two two players that, for example, last year they were. Um, Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera, yeah. um, legend, legend player, legendary players. This year, Miggy might get invited as well. I, I would guess Adam Wainwright would be invited from the from the NL, uh, knowing that he's retiring this year. Uh, Wayno obviously with a great career, All Star, um, not a Cy Young winner, but someone who who, who was a candidate for for several years uh, back in the day, and, and I think they they will honor them this year as well. And and I like that about the about the All Star Game that they give the chance to to recognize their careers uh, for one last time. So uh, it's 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 something that I that I really enjoy, and I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, good. And well, well deserved by you too. You get a chance to be around All Stars, and we consider you an All Star writer. So put you in uh, <laughs> thank you with, with your own with your own people there. Um, remind our audience now how they can follow you, how they can support you, and we certainly do appreciate you filling in today. We feel like we – it's like pinch-hitting here. You got uh, Willie Mays on vacation. We pinch-hit with <laughs> <on> here. So. here.
1: <laughs> no, that's a, that's a huge compliment, Dave, and I, I really appreciate it. Um, well, you, you can read in elxtrabase.com and also follow, follow at elxtrabase or elxtrabase as you may want to call it. Uh, and Daniel Alvarez, EE EE stands for El base on, on my Twitter, and that's where, where you can find us. Also, the YouTube channel, um, El Base, where we post all, our, all of our interviews, and um, obviously we will do it uh, for the All-Star Game, too.
0: Yeah, I love the YouTube channel. That's that's one of my favorites. So our audience keeps supporting uh, Danny Alvarez, phenomenal friend of the show, tremendous writer, and we'll look forward to seeing what you uncover and discover at the all-star break here. We're wishing luck to Luis Arias here. If you want to put it on the books here, you want to say it first. Is he going to hit 400 this year? Uh,
1: I don't think he will hit 400. I mean, it, it's tough, um, and it's still early in the season. But I think, though, that he will break Andres Galarraga's record for a Venezuelan-born player. He hit 370. In 1993, so it's been 30 years since since that record. So I think Luis will definitely break uh, the record and be forever the Venezuelan batting champ uh, king. Um, so that, and that will be a, a huge honor for for Luis, I'm sure. I, I think he's capable capable of hitting 400, of course, yeah. but I just think it's so difficult, man, and, and he's still a, a very. Um, long season to go, so uh, yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. But I'm sure he's gonna hit over 370. Oh yeah, with with you know
0: with the number of pitching changes they have, he's not facing the same guy three four times. He's facing four pitchers a night, and you know you go one for three, your average drops about three four points. Though.
1: Exactly, that's that's what's happening. And and when when he it's not that he had a slump, but he had a a 12 game hitting streak. His batting average didn't go higher. Yeah, <laughs> he went lower. And Luis is like. Why is this happening? I'm like, well, it's because of math, you know, uh, <laughs> because you're getting hits every single day, but in four at-bats or five at-bats, which is still good, but uh, that's, that's how it works.
0: Well, I'm pulling from him. He's one of my favorite guys to watch. I know he's one of yours too. And to our audience, make sure you keep following us on all the social mediums, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you can get us on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. We're trying to push to 20,000 subscribers by the end of the week. So make sure you download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review. 72 countries now. So, gosh, we should at least be able to get to get 10 people per country to get us up to that that number. So pass it on to your friends. We're hitting grassroots all the way to MLB front offices. Just trying to build a better baseball IQ. And we appreciate having you on the show today, Danny, filling in for Joe Frazzaro. And this is the Man on Second Podcast, Episode 204. Thanks, Danny. We appreciate you, buddy.
1: Thanks, Dave. I really appreciate it, man.